Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. Hello, Ivy Church. Hello, Ivy Church. Welcome to Ivy Church. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. I want to read again that passage from Ephesians because it really grabbed me. And it, as it carries on, you'll see. It says this, Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace, and that was the end of the hostility. Christ came and preached peace to you outsiders and peace to us insiders. Paul's talking there about Jews and Gentiles. He treated us as equals and so made us equals. Through him, we both share the same spirit and have equal access to the Father. And he goes on, and this is the message version. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here in what he is building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation, and now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. Isn't that fantastic? What a picture. What's Paul talking about there? He's talking about the church the Church of Jesus Christ. And um, I'm aware, you know, having conversations with people as we are in this year of rebuilding, that there's still questions. There's questions all the time about, well, what are we building then? And it doesn't seem to be the same as what we were building before. You know, we're in different places. We're meeting in different ways with different people. So there can be confusion about that. Understandably, people are like, well, um, you know, things have changed around here if you've been here a long time or you're new here and you're kind of wondering, well, what kind of a church is this anyway and what's kind of important to it? And people are like, well, what's the vision? And those kind of questions and, uh, you know, really good questions to be able to ask before you, you know, if we're going to ask you to be committed to something, you're going to be like, well, what, what am I being asked to be committed to? You're asking me to give money and time. What, what's it for? What's it, what's it really all about? And um, I think a lot of people through COVID ended up not bothering with church. Um, you know, they kind of watched a bit online maybe, and then things happened and they sort of felt like, oh, well, I've got other things that I need to be doing, and I hate being online necessarily, zoomed out and fed up. And, and so some people just sort of stopped. And then some people came back, and some people are still coming back. I think we're still getting some people occasionally, week by week here, who used to come here, kind of sheepishly, kind of walking in a little bit, like, am I still going to be welcome? And the answer is mostly. No, no, <laughs> definitely, definitely welcome to come back. And, um, yeah, we... we We want people to, you know, there's no kind of condemnation in that. We realize the world's been through a shaking time. And in the end, God wants to build us together. And, you know, the the alternative is isolation. The alternative is that that we're not part of something. Or maybe you go somewhere else. If somebody goes to a different church and they're like, actually, I find like this is where I'm connecting and this is where I feel a community. Well, fantastic. You know, may they be blessed in that. But what we want to do is, is build the church the way Jesus wants it to be built. That's all 
at the end of it, that's really what we're aiming at. And um, so as I was kind of praying that through and thinking it through, I thought it'd be good just to ask the question, you know, which I put together as, what on earth is the church good for, for heaven's sake? Because, <laughs> it, it, you know, people will ask that question. There's people who will drive past here all the time and see the poster and, and see the, the building, or they might go past Cheadle Hume and have the cafe and all of that. And that's the kind of question. They're like, you know, why, why church? You know, you might have friends and, and family or people that you, or maybe you, you yourself, you're kind of like, yeah, but why the church? Why does the church actually matter? And, and what good does it do anyway? And isn't it just some like de- dying and declining institution and and isn't it just, aren't we just living in times when institutions are all dying off anyway and nobody's really all that bothered apart from the people that are, that are in some way connected to them and isn't it just better that we just do our own thing and, and all those kind of questions, which again, people have. What on earth is the church good for, for heaven's sake, was the kind of question that, that I started with. And I think that through COVID, again, there were some things that happened whereby everybody, whether you had a great, big, massive church or a little teeny tiny church, there was suddenly a level playing field because nobody could meet. I remember watching and seeing like Bishop T.D. Jakes, who would have like fill massive stadiums. And he was in his huge church in Dallas or wherever. And, And I saw him on YouTube with like him and his wife and a couple of other people and a guy doing the camera. And that was it. And I thought, well, fair play to him. Because he's still doing it. You know? He's not kind of packing in and saying, well, I'm not going to bother until there's thousands here again and coming to listen to me. He just carried on. And what actually happened was, thousands were watching, just in a different way. And thousands were engaging. Because the churches that decided, well, we're not just going to stop. We're going to start in a different way. We're going to reimagine, adapt, ended up with connecting with people in a way that those who didn't, didn't. Some people's idea was, well, we'll just keep going and we'll hope that at the end of this, when it all comes down, people who used to come will come back. And those churches very often have found that actually many of them didn't. And, um, and one of the things that we've done, as you know, as a church, is we've tried to adapt and we've gone online. And actually, I mean, I haven't got all the figures, but we've, there's far more people connect to Ivy every week online than ever if you're going to measure it around buildings. You know, there's like thousands every month, every week, some weeks, thousands a week. You know, if you add up Facebook and, and YouTube and all those kind of things, I think the figure we recently had for YouTube was we're getting near 100,000. A thousand subscribers, 95,000 views on YouTube. That's a lot. You know, that's people who are connecting with us and there's people all around the world and we'll do faith lift on a Friday and we'll suddenly have somebody pop up saying please pray for us here in Pakistan where we're having floods and it's like amazing that's the power of the internet and it is we've been opened to the fact that there was a there was a book years ago that somebody put out I think it was J.B. Phillips who wrote the J.B. Phillips New Testament translation wrote a book called your God is too small but I actually think what happened through COVID God was saying your church is too small because your church is too small if you think it's just about how many people you can gather in a particular room on a Sunday. But again, that's the way we've often measured church. How do you measure churches? You know, one church leader or somebody on staff team might go to a conference and they'd ask those kind of questions in order to kind of measure church against somebody else. They'd be like, well, how many people have you got coming? That was the big question. How many people are coming on a Sunday? Um, you know, and things were going great if you had lots and things weren't going great if you didn't have lots coming along and filling chairs 
on Sunday mornings in particular, that was the big measure. And it's not a bad thing to measure. It's a useful, it can be a useful thing to measure, but it's certainly not the only measure of church and how good it is, because ultimately you can just put on a fantastic show and give everybody what they think they want and what they need, but what you can end up with there is consumers. You're not necessarily making disciples by putting on the best show in town. And again, you can measure other things. How many children have you got coming? And how many children are coming? to the? And it's a really good thing to do because there are many, many churches in this nation that have got no children whatsoever coming to them. Literally, I mean, it's especially bad in denominations. Before COVID, I remember reading figures that said that the vast, that there was over half of Church of England churches had zero children, nobody under 18, in over half of Church of England congregations. And they weren't by any means the worst. A friend of mine was involved with a denomination called the United Reformed Church, and his job was to go round, and his, he was to, to find out what churches were still viable by visiting them, and if they didn't have anything going on, if they didn't have any children, etc., then uh, that would that'd be part of the reasons that they would close them down. Because they're like, we haven't got a future. So I suppose he was like, you know, he was going around looking for children. He's like the reverse child snatcher. But he, he would go around in all of these different churches. And then he said to me, there'd be all these churches that were reporting that they had children. And if you added them all up together, all these churches together, it looked like they had hundreds. He said, but I never found any of them. You know, they just didn't, there was these people who were basically making it up. And it was like, oh, no, we did have a child that came in the other week, didn't we? And walked back out again. He's like, that'll do. And so, again, I'm not saying it's a bad It's a good thing to measure. I'm glad we've got children coming to this church. I'm glad we've got loads of children coming out and lots of different groups and ways for them to connect and for us to be able to connect with them too. But it isn't all about how many come to the things that we do on a Sunday morning, for instance. But again, that's a measure that's easy to measure. How many team, how many staff? And some churches, like you get more and more team, you get more and more staff, you must be successful. Because you're, but you know, just because you're, you're paying more people and paying more people full-time or whatever doesn't necessarily mean that you're... You know, what can, that can happen is you have people who are doing the ministry rather than what Tim just said, if you noticed, equipping the saints for the work of ministry which is what it's supposed to be. We don't want to have some people who are the ones, the only ones who do the ministry and everybody comes and watches. How many in grow groups? That's what we call them, home groups. How many? It's a good measure. I'm re- you know, if you want to really get connected in this church and get more community, then join one of our grow groups. Become part of that. And we've had, again, we've had some grow group leaders for various reasons who've ended up sort of coming to the conclusion, actually, I, I can't do it. We're going we're gonna to pause. We're going to stop doing grow groups. But at the same time, we've got some people who want to join grow groups. So we've got more people, I think, who want to join them than those who want to lead them. So what we need to do is start thinking, well, maybe some of us has been around long enough and here long enough that actually rather than just thinking I'll come to a grow group, maybe you could help us by leading one of the grow groups and we want to support people in that. It's a good thing to measure. Number of regular givers. It's a really good thing to be able to measure. You see, in a church, when you're, in terms of giving, to be able to budget, to be able to do the ministry that you, that you need to do, you can't just rely on what people feel like giving when they feel like giving like anything else. If you, if you just do it on a Sunday morning or evening and you kind of say, anybody feel like giving, here's a slide, do that and you can give. It's really hard for us to be able to budget on the basis of that. You know, some, sometimes churches can do that. And so again, that's often how churches end up doing their budget. They have somebody who stands up at the front and I suppose that sometimes you might talk about a need or an opportunity. And like if the person at the front you know, does a good talk and cries a bit, etc., and says, we really need more people. Some people might decide, well, okay, well, you've got me and I'll give. And they kind of do it from adrenaline, really. 
They do it because their heart kind of goes towards something. But actually, to be able to, a body to be able to work can't rely on adrenaline. It needs It needs that. It needs a heartbeat. It needs some people who are like, I will faithfully regularly give. That's the only way we're able to do the things that we're doing because there are some people who've made a decision, I'm going to regularly give. And it's good. The more people you get doing that, great, you can do more ministry. So they're good things to measure, but they're only the only things I want to measure because what else can we measure? Let's have a look at a few other things that we may measure. I think some of these might be even better measures. How many people, how many have we sent out to start new ministries? Now, if you look at the history of Ivy, you're going to, I, I don't think, it's very difficult to be able to count that. There are so many ministries that have been birthed from this church. It's a very entrepreneurial church. It's very much a church where people aren't, we don't just say come, we say go. And they do. And it can be hard because multiplication often feels like subtraction. You know, we'd rather have Henneke here. We love having Henneke here. But in a way, we've sent her out because Greece needs Henneke. And the people that she's reaching there need her to be there. And we want to support her in that. So many other things that we could list. You know, I see Ethan's here. John, his dad, all across Africa. You know, we'd love to have, see more of John here. And yet we know what he's doing is amazing. We have all these different ministries that have started as a result of connection to this church. And you can, you know, it's very hard to measure that. And again, you look at what Nick Duffy's doing. I mean, there's so many people you could name that have gone out from here or, or and, you know, just starting stuff. How many people who don't look like me? I don't mean just look like me, like clones. I mean, like, we can, can we measure different races? Different, um, you know, socioeconomic backgrounds. Those kind of things. I think rather than just having some monochrome, everybody's the same kind of a church, you know, everybody's sort of white middle class and that kind of... The church is like that. And ultimately, to me, a great measure of us being more like what heaven's going to be like is if we have people from more and more nations and more and more backgrounds and ethnicities... And we have the rich and the poor alongside one another and, and, you know, people are giving and receiving and all those kind of things. And So that's a really good measure. How many people are in the prayer meetings? They say that's actually, you can, they say you can tell how popular the church is, how, how popular the preacher is by how many are there on a Sunday morning. You can tell how popular Jesus is by how many are in the prayer meeting. Ooh! You know, how many, how many people just will come to worship, these worship things that we're having? Because in the end, it's like, it's, it's just Jesus. It's just the Holy Spirit there. And, you got, and it's like when we get more people coming along to those, that's when you're going to start fires start to happen in those kind of settings, to be honest with you. Those are the kind of things where if you look in the history of revival, they don't tend to start off a Sunday morning. They start in the week. It's that with people just gathering and saying, let's pray and let's meet God and, and God comes and amazing things happen. How much have we given away? Yeah, it is a good thing for us to measure. And this church is incredibly generous to give away to all kinds of stuff. Crazy generous. I love it. Every year we do first fruits every year. We, we get more money and we give more money away. We give more money away at Christmas and all. It's like, you have to say, if you've been here at Ivy a while, you think that's the norm. It is not the norm. 
ask around a bit is not the norm to be that kind of generous church. But again, these are good measures. How many marriages have been helped? You can't always heal a marriage, you know, but we have helped, been at the centre of those kind of conversations. How many marriages have been helped? How many people have been, you know, have, have, and again, you won't know those sort of questions because we don't kind of go through and point people out. But we, don't, we have so many pastoral things that are always going on in the church that you don't see if you just come along on a Sunday morning. How many people are debt free? Gail's just walked in. <laughs> and Cap, you know, how many people? 111. Yeah? It's amazing. That's families changed forever. That's the massive, you know, can we praise God for that, by the way? 111. Thanks, Ben. Anybody else? Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. You know, how many people have been served in the community? Out there, how many ways are we serving? And again, some of those are just people doing it. It's hard to measure them. And some of them are things that we organise. You know, look at what's happening through Cheadle Hume and the, all the different ways that we're connecting there to so many people who, who for them, you know, church was like this completely, you know, closed thing. And now they're just seeing in some way the love of Jesus coming and then being served as somebody serving them a cup of coffee. You saw that video that we showed the other week. Those kind of things, it's making such a difference. How many kinds of communities are being reached? Again, you know, refugee work that we're doing and asylum seekers and, and you know, you could name some. I'm just thinking of a few, but you could name some. If you, you know, if you've been around here long enough, you're going to know. There's so many things that God does through this church that it's hard to quantify if you just think about a Sunday morning. There's something that I do through Westminster Theological Centre when I'm teaching, and, uh, and, it, and it's... It, it's, it's a hypothetical question about if you were an alien. So if you were an alien, and not only that, but you also had a time machine, right? And you got in your time machine as an alien, and you went back 2,000 years ago, and you went to the book of Acts, and you looked around at the book of Acts, when it first started out, Acts 2, you know, that kind of thing, in Jerusalem, and you hear about the Holy Spirit being poured out, and then this thing's happening around then, and you hear the word church, that's what you hear. What kind of a thing, if you're looking at the early church when it first started, church, what kind of a thing will you hear? What will church be? Where, where does church meet? In houses. In houses. Who does ministry? Everybody. Um, who's in charge? Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, you, what kind of things do you see taking place? Breaking of bread. Breaking of bread. Baptisms. Baptisms. Healing. Healing. Prayer. Sharing all. Sharing all. What else? Teaching. teaching. What are they teaching? The Bible. the Bible. The apostles teaching. Devoted themselves to the apostles teaching into prayer. What else is going on? Healing, miracles, people are in awe. People are like, can I even join that thing? It seems so awesome. It says, there's literally a point when it says people would stand and see this thing called the church and be like, oh, that is amazing. Could I even join that? It's like this incredible pulsating with the Holy Spirit kind of group of people with God right at the center of it. And it's, it's shaking every, literally the buildings are shaking sometimes. It's shaking everything up, shaking everybody up. 
You know, that's what, and so I, I'll do that, and I'll say to people, you, you're an alien, you get in time machine, you hear church, what kind of a things, and I'll just get a whiteboard, and like those lines, I'll fill out what it is that people say, okay? That's what the church was like then, yeah? Then, you, the alien, I'm not even sure why you need to be an alien, but anyway, you get in your time machine again, it's, and you land now in England, in the UK, and you hear the word Church. I don't mean what we're doing necessarily here. You just hear the word church and you ask about what's church then? I've heard this word church. What will people say? Buildings. With what? A steeple on top. You know, here's the church. Here's the steeple. Look inside. There are the people. That's it. You know? That's what people think. That's church, isn't it? There's a building with a steeple, and you look inside, and there's some people. That's church. Sorry? Smells and bells. Yeah, it could be that. It could be particular sorts of things. But again, whatever we do, whether it's traditional or not, it's weird to people who don't come. Because I know, because I used to be one of them. Maybe some, did, some of you did as well. You can, but there's this box that people who like that kind of thing come to at certain times. And so, again, who, le- who gets to lead it? Leaders. Who are the leaders? The bishops and the pastors and the clergy. They get to do the stuff. Everybody else gets to watch and join in and sing along. And that's about it, really. So something happened in those 2,000 years, didn't it? You can see the difference. Something happened. And I think what we're in now are, is a dismantling in some ways. And that's why it feels weird. That's why it feels strange. Because actually, I think God's looking at what was, what it's become. And he's a bit like, actually, I want my church back. I want, I want it more like it was when I was in charge rather than when, when you were. And again, that can feel a bit awkward because we like control. I'm going to say we, I mean, I mean me. You know, I, there's certain things I like to measure and I like to know it's going well because I've got this and it's got that. And there, there, there's so many intangibles around this. And it's a lot more easy for me to revert back to the old measures that we talked about before because then again, I can, feel, I can, I can know whether or not I feel like we're doing a good job or not. Rick Warren wrote an amazing book called The Purpose Driven Church. And it was a great, and, and it is a great book. And he kind of talked in there about the five purposes of a church. He wrote, he wrote Purpose Driven Life after it, but he did one called The Purpose Driven Church. And he said a church is built on five purposes. We grow warmer through, say it with me, fellowship. We grow deeper through, we grow stronger through, we grow broader through, and we grow larger through. I love that. And those things are all really good. Yeah? Fellowship. Getting to know one another. Discipleship. Growing in who we are in Christ. Being disciples, being learners. We grow stronger through worship. That's an interesting way of looking at it, isn't it? But isn't that true? You know, when we're in worship, don't you, don't you sometimes come in like that and go out like that? I do. 
You know, that's what worship does. I know what it, it does great things for God, I'm sure, but it does great things for me. <laughs> you know? And then we grow broader through ministry because ministry's out there to other people. And, um, and, and we grow larger through evangelism. Now, here's the question with that, because those things are really five things. If, if your experience of church and the way you think about church is all about, for instance, an hour or so on a Sunday morning, yeah? However good that Sunday morning hour-ish is, here's my question. How many of those five can you do in an hour or so on a Sunday? Really? Consistently? in a way that isn't just effectively lip service. I mean, you might be able to do, you know, you have some fellowship, but how close are you actually getting? Especially when people keep moving and some people come every three weeks or whatever. How much discipleship can we actually do when there's one person doing a talk and there's a group of other people, some of whom you don't even like to be, have a discussion question in groups? You know? How much worship can you do? Well, every, that's the thing everybody always wants more of. But you've only got an hour or so because before long the kids come in and they start throwing stuff around. You know, <laughs> let's get real. Um, and, uh, and, and we grow through ministry. Well, again, how many people are actually doing the ministry and how many people are watching? Or in the end, is it, you know, what, is, what counts as ministry? And then again, we grow larger through evangelism. Well, how many are we actually bringing in? With, how, many, how many people are we bringing with us to that? And isn't evangelism meant to be, evangelism meant to be out there yeah. rather than just bringing people in here? So I'm not saying those things are bad. They're all great, again, but it's like, let's not make them our measure because if we make them our measure... We're going to fall short, guys, if we're only thinking around Sunday mornings. We've got to think about all the other ways that those five things are happening. And the great thing is, I've got to say, Ivy, if you look, all of them are. But just not all of them in an hour or so on a Sunday morning. The church is too small. If we think about it as being just that. A good friend of mine, he's become over the years a guy called Alan Hirsch, and he wrote a few amazing books. Um, and one of them, well, in a couple of them, he talks about the idea of missional DNA, MDNA, not MDMA, that's a different thing altogether. Uh, MDNA, missional DNA. What he says, if you look at the, the church around the world and the way in which it grows like crazy, nothing seems to stop it. It looks at the church as it started in history 2,000 years ago. If you look at the church now in China and when the Iron the bamboo curtain came down and, and yet it grew when they opened up again. And they, didn't, they weren't allowed to have leaders. They weren't allowed to meet in buildings. They weren't allowed to do all these things. You look at Iran, fastest growing church per capita in the world. All those things that they're not allowed to do, nothing's stopping them. You look at what John Witt's doing through dignity in those things where they're not really supposed to call them church. But guess what they are? You know? Oh, and... And what are the things that they say? What are the measures there? What are the things? And I think, to be honest with you, these are better measures for me as, I, as he goes through these missional DNA. And the question for us as a church, and the one I want to keep on asking, rather than just asking how many people come on a Sunday or how many people are regularly givers, all those kind of things, which, again, we might put on the annual report, better questions than that to be able to measure what we're doing come out of looking at 
the missional DNA, because this is like the stuff. Alan Hirsch says, if you have these things going on in the church, you don't have to make anything happen. You don't have to make it grow. It's going to grow. What you've got to do is remove the barriers that stop these things from happening, because left alone, the DNA in the church will mean that it changes the culture. It changes the world. This is the way God designed the church to work so that it'll change the world. And so these are the actual things that, again, can we measure these things? I think we can to some extent. The first one at the center of it all, he says, the central thing to measure in the church and to the extent that this doesn't happen, to the extent other things get, become central, you're going to start failing. The central thing at the center of it all is Jesus is Lord. It's having that central to the church. That's our central confession. We don't overcomplicate it. What are we about mostly as a church? We are mostly about Jesus. Now, I mean, we can talk about politics. We can talk about gender. We can talk about the poor. We can talk about all kinds of different things. And the implication, actually, there's implications to the fact that Jesus is Lord. But central to everything is that that was the, in the early church, that's what they talked about. That's what got them in trouble. Because everybody else was saying, Caesar is Lord. And you've got to bow down to Caesar. And they say, no, Jesus Christ is Lord. The thing that they, that they would do is the secret sign of being a Christian. You know the fish badge that people put on the back of their cars? I used to have one. Zoe stopped me because she said, I'm not a Christian enough driver to have one in the back of my car. But that fish sign, you know, it literally, ichthus, Greek word, it means... It literally stood for, fish, whether it was Jesus Christ, God's son, saviour. Sums up the gospel. That was it. That's everything you need to know, really, about Christianity, summed up in that. Jesus Christ, God's son, saviour. That's what we preach. That's what we're about. Everything else, we can negotiate. We can talk about it. The, the, the central thing we have to be about as a church, and we must never get off kilter with this, is Jesus is Lord. He's in charge no matter what's happening in the world. Jesus is Lord. That means what he says goes. Jesus is Lord means he's the boss. Yeah? Do we agree Jesus is Lord? To the extent Jesus is Lord, we're getting there. That's the central thing. What next? Next one, please. Discipleship and disciple making. We're not just about people coming to church. We're about making disciples. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. He didn't say, go into all the world and start churches. He said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's my job. Your job, go and make disciples. Teach them to obey everything that I command you. That's it. That's our job. Disciples make disciples. Because Jesus is Lord, we want everybody to follow him. The way that they become a follower is to become a disciple. It's not necessarily about being a church member. Church membership can be good. Not necessarily about giving. Those things can follow on. It's not about any of the things. In the end, disciples. Everybody, not just some, not just those who are keen on it. In these places around the world where the church is growing, every disciple realizes, my job is to make more disciples. And what we're trying to do, and I think we are doing it, we heard it before, is I think, you know, the amazing thing, God is so good. We're leading the way in many ways in the church, in this nation punching way above our weight in helping other churches to be able to learn how to make disciples who make disciples. Glory to God for that. Next thing, we can measure these things. Missional and incarnational. The church should be out there and in here. If you like, it's, it's like, it's, it's, 
It's out there, reaching out to the world, but it's living deep. It's going far and living deep. You know, we're reaching out to all kinds of different people and we're genuinely connecting to them. We're not just going and preaching the gospel. Hey, everybody, become a Christian. Jesus loves you all. And then we retreat back into our little boxes. It's actually going and living with people. It's being like Jesus because in the incarnation, the word became flesh and lived among us. And this is about us being like Jesus wherever he puts us. You know, this is like Kaz doing it in the theatre. We're among the people that she's connecting to. You know, in the, in the way in which she's doing it, reaching out into culture, going into, into the, you know, incarnating what Jesus looks like there for people who wouldn't necessarily come in here. It's you, wherever God's put you, shining for him. That's what missional incarnational is all about. And we can measure those things in the places where we live. It's not just about, again, how many come on a Sunday. A pest. What does that mean? Apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. Have we got the next slide? Is that slide there? Yeah? Oh, have I done the wrong one? Oh, okay, it's there. Okay, an A-pest environment, that basically means that rather than just being me, or one or two of us, that, like it says in Ephesians 4, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, and the shepherd and teacher, all those different kinds of ways of being like Jesus are released through everybody in the church. Rather than they just say, oh, that person is the apostle, or that person is the prophet, or that person is the evangelist, or that person does the shepherding, does the pastoring, here's the pastor. That person is the only one who gets to do any of the teaching. No, what you want to do is release those ways that Jesus is in the whole church. And again, we can measure that. How many people are breaking out in new ways, in apostolic ways? How many, what are we doing that's encouraging people to know you can hear God for yourself and speak out his words to other people and all those different ways? How many, how how much, I mean, I've got to say so many things that are going on pastorally that are not just dependent on me. Thank you, Jesus. Go in and doing them. Because people here care for people in the name of Jesus. And they get trained and equipped and encouraged to be able to do that and released to be able to do that. It's not always the case that everybody gets to do that. In some churches, I just heard about a church today. Somebody told me about his dad. For eight, he's 80. For years, he just served Jesus, told people about Jesus, led people to the Lord. He was, he, the church that he's in, which shall rename nameless, he, he just started a ministry reaching out to Iranians and refugees. And he's been loving them and serving them in the name of Jesus. And he went to baptize some of them. And, uh, and he baptized a bunch. And this church has not had any baptisms in living memory. He's baptizing all these Iranians. Hooray, you think, until the powers that be found out about it and said, you didn't wear robes when you did it. And now you're not allowed to be able to do ministry anymore in this church. That's not an A-pest environment, guys. Yeah? Can I just announce that? <laughs> so, again, we can measure. What's the freedom people have got to minister? What else is that we can measure? Next one. Organic systems. Not rigid systems. Not pie charts or, or flow charts and everybody has to report to somebody who gets to give permission. But in the end, what we want to do is find ways to be able to release the life of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. That's what we want to grow in the church. So what, 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 you know, 
what's happening, we don't just say everything goes and anything goes, but at the same time, we're there to support what's growing, not to stifle it or stop it, or, or you've got to fill in 25 forms before you get permission to do anything. I mean, again, an organic structure system for me is more like you're there underneath something and propping it up and holding it up. You're not above it, telling it what to do. What else? Again, we can measure these things. Next one, please. Communitas. Alan Hirsch kind of made up a word. The, the, the communitas is, is the thing that you get when you're, on a, when you're on a journey with some other people. Have you ever been on like a pilgrimage? Have you ever been on like a mission? Some of us did the XCC. And, and you know, a bunch of people walking together, doing something together on an adventure. Bond like you don't just by sitting and having a coffee with people. You go through some things together and you are bonded together. You don't necessarily get that just by sitting in the same row as somebody on a Sunday. But when we join in a team, when we join on a mission, that's when you start to connect with other people and you find out about their story and they find out about yours and, and something happens and the Holy Spirit starts to show and connect. So, so the question that I want to do with that, and again, I mean, that's, you, the, the problem with this now is you've got to keep Jesus as Lord central to this, but, but we can actually measure these things. And, I, you know, to be honest with you, I'd love you to rate us on these things as a church. It's something I want to do. And to be able to say, where, where are we great and where do we need to grow? Because the next slide basically says and puts them into this kind of, um, you know, rather than just thinking how many people come on a Sunday or how many people come to this, how many come to that, would, would people who come to Ivy after a while know that we're all about Jesus is Lord? Would that be like something that they'd just say, oh, those people, they're just all about Jesus. Would they, would they soon find out that we're a disciple-making environment around here, that, that you don't just come to church, but there's an expectation and help for you to learn what it is to be able to learn to follow Jesus and to help other people to do the same? Would, would this be the kind of place where you get encouraged that you've got a mission in the world, there's a place for you to live out your faith, and we want to encourage you to be able to do that? Is this the kind of place where we want to encourage you that you can go and break new ground for Jesus, that you can hear Jesus for yourself, that you can share your faith and we'll help you to do it, that you can go and care for other people, and that you can not only learn the Bible, but you can teach other people. Those, to me, are the measures that, that, that matter. And according to Alan Hirsch, again, if you look around the world, where church makes these things matter, it changes the world. You don't just get more people coming to church. You actually get the church changing the world for Jesus. And I think that's really way more worth me giving my life to the rest of it so how do we measure church and how should we measure church you know if we if we were to do that as ivy and kind of do the not you know from the center going out where would we be a five where might we be a seven where might be we be an eight or whatever because because ultimately we want to grow in all these different areas and continue to ask those sorts of questions because we are, as that reading said in Ephesians 2, building something, not for ourselves, but for him. And we're all part of that building. We are living stones. That's the problem. So around the room, you'll find somewhere near you, uh, a bit of Jenga. Some of it's got chalk on. Catherine didn't want to put those out. But I figure if you get any chalk on you, you may not sue us. 
and uh, we'll be all right with it. But during the next worship time, what I want to encourage you to do, and again, please, if you're online, just pray for us in this too and be part of this. What I want us to do is to realize each one of us is called to play a part and to just to put our bit on what God is building. And I know some of you have been doing this for years, but I'd like it as a kind of a spiritual moment, if you like, for us to think about the way God has shaped you over the years and the way in which he's, he's got, you've got particular gifts, you've got particular passions and particular history. And in the end, you can be part of something way bigger than yourself that makes a bigger difference. And that thing is the church of Jesus Christ. If it's going to be Ivy, we'd love you to come and play your part fully in that. And what we're going to do during the worship, if the band can come up, please. It's just about here. We're, in fact, just about there. We're going to do the Jenga thing and encourage you, let's not leave any lonely-looking brick on a radiator. Go towards and get them too. And just in the worship, but more, don't just bring the brick, bring you. And say, Lord, in this thing that you are building, use me. And I'm just offering myself back to you. And we then become the living stones that is building something so much greater than any of us individually can be a part of. Again, there's so many things we don't measure. We, you know, we can't talk about everything that we do. This morning, I wasn't here because I was down at a school, big posh private school, 550 13 to 18 year olds and preached to them about Jesus and said to them, you know, if you want during this Advent time to investigate like I did about Jesus and I prayed the prayer commitment and said, if you want to find out what it is, then at the end, come and take one of these off me and then take it away and read it, read about Jesus. This again, it's a good thing to measure and to challenge people. What were you going to do about it? And um, I reckon there was about 200 and, about, and five staff who came and took one of these and said, yes, please, to that. So I love that. I think we do have some things we can measure. You know, to me, I want us to give out loads of these over Christmas at our forum, at the forum. At the, you know, we, we, we've got some special World Cup-looking ones of these. Bring friends, bring other people along and all those kind of things. But let's, and we do, those things matter. But they matter because of what they're part of. And what they're part of is something bigger than the, the sum of their parts. So, Lord, we thank you for what you are building. Lord, your church in the world right now. And thank you that we get to be a part of it in many nations, in many ways. Thank you for Tim just being out in France and encouraging church leaders and church planters out there. Thank you again for the ways in which in so many nations and ways, through the internet and live and in person in different ways, we are part of your fantastic, amazing cosmic plan to redeem the whole of creation and bring it back to Jesus. And Lord, I, I just want to offer myself back to you tonight. And again, it's so true. If you can use anybody, you can use me. So Lord, I, I, I want to bring all of me. I want to bring my fears and my hopes and my skills and things that I don't even feel like I'm qualified for. I want to bring the, the things that I'm great at in community and the, the things that I've not been good at. Just bring it all to you, because Lord, like that old song says, Lord, uh, I can come no other way. So I give myself to you. And Lord, thank you that through that, because of the cross, you have destroyed every dividing wall, made us to be one people, 
so that when the world sees us, the idea is, Lord, that the world sees you. So please help us to play our part in that tonight and always in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, I'm Anthony Delaney. I'd love to welcome you to Ivy Church. Do check out the website, click on a few buttons, look at some previous teaching and some of the other things that we've been involved with. And why not plan to join us soon at one of our locations? Join a grow group, do the alpha course and figure out for yourself what it is that Christians believe. Or if you've got anything we can pray about, be in touch, press the contact button so that you can email us, let us know about you and how we hope you can be part of us. Come and join us at Ivy Church.